someone suggested the theme, can I have confidence in my salvation? Can I have assurance in my salvation? And this study will go very well with this morning's lesson from 2 Peter 1 and what it means to be spiritually minded. Let me ask you this question. Picture yourself before the judgment seat of Jesus. Were it the case that Jesus should ask you this question, how would you respond? Why should I let you in? Why should I let you in? How would you respond? May I offer some suggestions? First of all, if God were to ask me that question, I would respond with the awesome character of God. God, I pray that you let me in because of your awesome love, your amazing grace and mercy and your goodness. I would respond to God by saying this. I trust that you'll let me in and I'm confident that you will. Not only on the basis of your character, but on the basis of what Jesus did at the cross. I have put all of my hope in the fact that Jesus died for my sins. And I look to the Lord to save me. In responding to God and why He should let me in, I would state this. Lord, I'm confident that You'll let me in based on the truthfulness of Your Word. It's been a light to my feet and a lamp to my path all of my life. To whom shall we go? You have the words of life. I have constantly desired to go to your word and to learn and to grow. Why should I let you in? Listen, because the first three explanations I gave are about God and His character, Christ and His sacrifice, the truthfulness of God's Word and its precious promises, 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. And the last one, I have responded to you in loving, humble, obedient faith. I've been born again. If anyone is saved, if anyone will be with the Lord forever in glory, it is a person who sees something of God's amazing character, who appreciates the greatness of the cross, who looks to God's Word supremely as their guide and authority in all things and who humbly and lovingly and obediently seeks to respond to God.
He is the Lord and I am not. He's the Lord and you are not. Now, when it comes to the subject of confidence or assurance in salvation, some doubt their salvation who should not. But many do not doubt their salvation who should. Some doubt their salvation who should not, but many do not doubt their salvation who should. When we talk about this subject, there are two extremes that I hope you'll be aware of. Two extremes that you'll shy away from. The first is a false sense of assurance. A false sense of assurance. At its worst, it really embraces once saved, always saved, and I can live any way I choose, and God will save me no matter what. Sort of as if the promise of salvation is a blanket promise. There are many New Testament passages that teach against that type of thinking, once saved, always saved, a blanket sense of assurance. He that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Matthew 10 and verse 22. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Jude verse 21. So there is the possibility of a false sense of assurance. On the other hand, there is the possibility of no assurance. There's that extreme. I have encountered a number of sincere Christians through the years who would look at me near the point of their death and say, I hope that I am right with God. I hope so. I wish so. When you think about that, consider Jude verse 24. God is able to keep us from stumbling. Jude verse 24. Also consider 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10. Make every effort to make your calling and election sure. Mark it, camp on it, and believe it. It's amazing to me because of our different personalities and maybe the way that we think sometimes that two people can face, as Christians, largely the same matter in life, the same trial. And while I realize your circumstances are unique and people are different, you can be facing pretty much the same thing. And Brother Steve, one person will be singing, Nobody knows the trouble I've seen, nobody knows my sorrow. And the other will be singing, Adam, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Now, I recognize that in the same circumstance, there may be times when the same person will sing both of those songs. 
Because our circumstances are hard and as we work through them, we learn to say more, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. But surely you can see that both of the extremes that I have just identified are extreme positions that Christians should stay away from. A blanket set uh, of circumstances for assurance on the one hand and no assurance at all really on the other. No confidence. Here's twin truths. Christians need both the fear of falling from grace as well as the assurance to stand in grace. We need the fear of falling from grace and the assurance to stand in the grace of God. Hebrews 3.12 as well as 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. Now let me explain really simply what I mean by this. And talking about the fear of falling and the courage to stand, the assurance to stand in God and His grace, here's what I mean. I must be faithful unto death. You must be faithful to death. Revelation 2.10, be faithful unto death, Jesus said, I will give you the crown of life. Correct? I must be faithful to death. And yet, at the same time, I must rely on the grace of God to save me. 1 Peter 1.13 Set your hope firmly on the grace of God that is to be revealed at the coming of Christ. Again, that's 1 Peter 1.13 Blessed are the balanced... And people who get too far into one of those to the neglect of the other end up having problems with assurance. I must be faithful to death and I must trust in the grace of God ultimately to save me. Luke 17.10, after we have done all that we can, we are still unprofitable servants. You ever heard somebody say toward the end of their life they thought, I just don't know if I've done enough for him to let me in? You could live to be as old as Methuselah and not be able to do enough for him to let you in. Because every person will still rely on the grace of God and His promises because of the cross of Christ. I hope that is helpful to you. Now let me explore that question about confidence in salvation a little bit more. Can you know that you were born physically? I've never asked that question to anybody who said, I think so. I'm not sure about it. Can you know if you experienced physical birth? Well, the answer to the question is the fact of your presence indicates that you came into the world the usual way. Even Jesus, who was born of a virgin, came into the world in a very usual way. He was born. 
I'll follow that up with another question. Can you know if you have been born again spiritually? If a person cannot know if they've been born again spiritually, then why does the Bible ask and answer the question, what must I do to be saved? We can know what it means to be born spiritually. To be born again. So we can know from Scripture and what is written if we are the people of God. That brings me to a third question. Can we have assurance ultimately that we will be with the Lord forever? And I'd like to bring out that it is Scripture that tells us if we are saved. Isn't it also Scripture that tells us whether or not we can have assurance of being with the Lord forever? Why is it that people who embrace the fact that I became a Christian and they do that with certainty are really vague when it comes to embracing the promise that we can be with God forever ultimately and He gives us assurance? Here's what I'd like for you to do. Look at 1 John with me. 1 John is a book all about assurance. And we had writer read 1 John 5 and verse 13. Focus on that expression with me briefly. I want us to look at five expressions in 1 John 5 and verse 13. You can mark them in your Bible as we go through them. Expression number one, these things I, what? Write. Our salvation is based on our response to what has been written and our assurance is based on our response to what has been written what God has promised. Do you see that? These things I write... What else do you see? Look at a key word. What? To you who believe. The word believe means trusting with joy and seeking to obey. Our assurance is based on what has been written. Our assurance is based on our joyful desire to trust and obey. Notice third. On the name of the Son of God. Do you see that expression? The name of the Son of God. His authority... His salvation made possible through the cross. The Son of God, He is fully God. He's deity. Our salvation is wrapped up in Christ, who He is and what He did. Our assurance is based on that too, Brother Lynn. 
the name of the Son of God. No other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4 verse 12. I could even change that ever so slightly, not trying to in any way add to God's word, but this is true too. No other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be assured. Jesus. Now look again at the text. These things I write to you who believe on the name of the Son of God, number four, that you might know. See that word there, Brian? Does it say think so, feel so, hope so, wish so? Sometimes I believe that the the devil really does a great job on us Causing us to doubt and question the promise of God. Isn't that exactly what the devil did initially with Adam and Eve? To doubt what God says. Don't let the devil do you that way. That you may know there is something that you know based on what has been written and what has been done by the Son of God as you have come to Him in trust and obedience. Now notice number five. The expression is eternal life. What is the word just before eternal life? A little word consisting of four letters. What is it? Have. Have. If God says we can have it, no one can successfully say we don't. How firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in His excellent Word. What more can He say than to you He has said, you who unto Jesus for refuge have fled? The soul that on Jesus, the Son of God, has leaned for repose. I will not, I will not desert to His foes. That soul, though all hell, should endeavor to shake. Jesus says, I'll never, no never, no never forsake. Aren't you glad? I'm thankful 1 John 5, 13 is in the Bible along with other passages. But now I want to get really practical because I said... Some people doubt their salvation who really shouldn't. But others don't doubt their salvation who really ought to. Let's look at 1 John and seven very practical questions that will either help us or incriminate us regarding our relationship with God and whether or not really we can have assurance. All right? Follow along with me. Open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1. Here's the first question, very practical. Do I truly long for communion and fellowship 
with God. Do I truly long for communion and fellowship with God? If I can take that or leave it, I don't know what kind of assurance I can really have. But notice 1 John 1, 6 and 7. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. If you want assurance, there should be a true longing and desire for communion and fellowship with God in our lives. When that's absent... You have every reason to question the assurance. Second question. Same section of Scripture. 1 John 1, this time verses 8 and 10. Do I truly desire to confess sin and come clean before God? Do I truly desire to acknowledge sin and come clean before God? Hear the word of God, 1 John 1, 8 through 10. I'm not making these up, Gavin, right there in the Bible. It's a very practical way to look at our relationship with God. Look at verse 8, beginning. If we say we have no sin, there's a refusal to acknowledge it. We deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, which means to say the same, if we speak the same about our sins, as God knows to be true, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. Is there a brokenness over sin that causes us to go to God in contrition, in confession, in repentance. Somebody asked me not too long ago, what happened to public acknowledgement of sin in the church? What happened to public acknowledgement of sin is spoken about in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. There is less of a desire to confess and come clean before God and others. And how sad that is. Continue with me. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Do I have a true increasing commitment to get into the Word and to grow. Do I have a true and increasing commitment to get into the Word and grow? 1 John 2, 3-5 through now. By this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we're in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought himself to walk even as he walked. Here's a fourth very practical 
question. Do I truly long to be in the company and fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ? Do I truly love and long and desire to be in the company of brothers and sisters in Christ? Look at 1 John 2, verses 7 through 11. 1 John 2, verses 7 through 11. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is in the darkness still. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because darkness has blinded his eyes. How many questions is that from the text? Four so far. Number five. Learn from 1 John. You want assurance? He is writing so that people will not sin. 1 John 2 and 1 and 2. And if anyone does sin, we can know that we have someone that can take care of that sin in Jesus. Now notice number 5 from 1 John 2 verses 15 through 17. Do I truly love less the things that used to sinfully tempt me. Do I love less the things that used to sinfully tempt me? Do I love less the world? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Verse 15 says... If anyone loves the Father, the, the, the loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world... The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Do I find old temptations are not as strong as they used to be? All of us are going to struggle with sin. Can I get an amen with that? And sometimes even the old ways. But the longer we look to Jesus and grow in Jesus, the more we hate the sin that used to be part of our lives. Next. Look at 1 John 3, 1 through 3. Here's the question, number 6. Am I truly... Being more conformed to Christ. Am I truly being more conformed to Christ? 1 John 3, 1 through 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we're God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. Notice 3. Everyone who thus hopes in Him 
purifies himself as he is pure. Being made conformable to his death. Being conformed to the image of Christ, Romans 8 and verse 29. Till Christ be formed in you, Galatians 4 verse 19. People who want assurance and who value their relationship with God want to be more and more like Jesus. Number 7. Turn to 1 John 5 verses 14 and 15. A practical way of evaluating where we are spiritually and whether or not we can have the assurance that I think people want. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Do I truly value going to my God in prayer? Do I truly value going to God in prayer in everything? In everything. This is the confidence we have toward Him that if we ask anything, we can go to Him with anything and everything. According to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask... We know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. I truly value being able to go to His throne about anything and everything. I want to talk to my God. As we bring this lesson to a close... Some people have a view of assurance that's false and is presumptuous and arrogant and flawed. Don't be among that number. Some members of the churches of Christ will speak long and loud about once saved, always saved, and won't pay any attention to those seven questions I just went over from John and 1 John. There's no consistency in that. On the other hand, there are some sweet people who love Jesus and have looked to Him that are often consumed with self-doubt and self-accusation. When we stand before Jesus, if we are saved and enter into God's presence forever, it will be because of the goodness and love and mercy and kindness of God. Amen? Amen. If we are in God's presence forever, it will be because of the cross of Jesus. Amen? If we are in the presence of God forever, it'll be because we love the truth and sought to live thereby. Amen? And if we are with Christ forever, it will be because we humbly and lovingly and obediently sought to honor God's will. Period. Period.
Doesn't mean we will be perfect. It doesn't mean we won't struggle. It means that God does what He promises when people respond like that. If you are a Christian, I hope this lesson has been insightful and has given you hope and helps you evaluate, on one hand, your need for growth, but on the other hand, not allowing Satan to make you feel as if you have no hope no matter what. Our hope is in the good Lord and responding to Him and His will. For those who aren't Christians, it seems to me that you would want to know you're saved. Think about this. Knowing you are a Christian, a child of God, is the greatest thing in the world. The second greatest thing in the world is what we've talked about tonight. Knowing that you have assurance as a child of God that you can be with Jesus forever. Take care of the first matter. Knowing that you're a child of God. Through faith come to Jesus Christ. John 8, 21 through 24. Through repentance turn from the ways of sin and want to go the way of Christ. Luke 13, 3 through 5. Confess, acknowledge with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. And be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins, putting on Christ, Galatians 3, 27, and being added to the Lord's church. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and Acts 2, 47. So I really can't have that discussion about assurance in salvation until we have the discussion, are you saved and have you done what the Bible says to be saved? If you haven't, no better time than now. Let's stand and sing.